It's so good to hear all the talking and laughter in the sanctuary this morning. It's good to hear that. Amen. Amen. Well, I got I got a few announcements. My first one is we will have a vacation Bible school meeting today at 530 in the Hope Center. I need everyone connected to VBS to be there, please. It won't last long. We're going to cover some things, but uh, 530 Hope Center VBS meeting. Second announcement that I have is 21 Days of Hope Easter 2021 mission trip. Everyone here and the folks that are tuned in online can participate. So everyone here and online can participate. March 14th is going to be our kickoff. So March 14th will be the kickoff for the 21 Days of Hope. All right. That's all the announcements that we have. And uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and dive right into what God has in store for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we just thank you uh, for another day. And Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. And Father, for the ones that are at home, that are tuned in, Father, we thank you for them as well. And Father, we just pray that, that we can focus on you this morning. And Father, we just pray that you come into this place and take over. And Father, we pray that everything that we do, from singing to everything else, we glorify you. And Father, once again, we thank you for sending your son uh, to die for us. All this your name. Amen. Amen. And what does God have in store for us today? A celebration of a new life in Christ, Destiny Elmore. And, God, and we're just excited today to have her come. She, she came several months ago, actually. And we talked about uh, her new life in Christ, accepting Christ and understanding what sin was in her life. And uh, things have been really crazy during this COVID uh, time of year. And so uh, we wanted to come today to celebrate. I wanted to invite you to come and celebrate with us her new life in Christ. And we come today uh, doing that through baptism. Uh, again, baptism doesn't save us. It's just a, uh, a symbol of what God has done in Destiny's life in the last couple of months. It's an example for us to tell the world that she is a child of the King now. And she wants to tell the world that and, and make that known uh, to everyone. Jesus exemplified uh, baptism by being baptized himself. He went on to tell us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we come today doing that. And, and when we get to experience this with uh, seeing and watching somebody being baptized. It, it offers us a chance to go back in time in our life when we uh, experienced that change in our life, when Christ, when the Holy Spirit came into our heart and, and changed us into who we are today. The Word says that we're a new creation if we're in Christ, that the old is gone. Our old way of living, our old way of doing things is gone. And a new, we're new, a new child in Christ. And so today I want to invite Destiny to come down and uh, share in baptism with us. All right. Destiny, do you come today uh, professing your love for Jesus Christ and your commitment to Him to Desiring to follow his teachings for your life from today from to, to now on. Do you do that? Yeah. yeah. Again, she has come and, and we've had a great discussion about uh, what Christ means to her. Um, how God has changed her life and how just the teachings of God's word. How many of you have been a part of that 
in growing this little girl up in Christ. And so today we, we celebrate that. Hold that, please. Destiny is a, is a sister of mine in Christ. And Destiny today, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I now baptize you. Amen. I mentioned to her that today was a celebration, you know, that all the, 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 the angels in heaven and everybody is celebrating to know that, that she is a child of Christ. And so I want you to celebrate with, that, with her today. And maybe today, maybe you've never ex accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know the peace of Christ in your heart. Uh, today is the day of your salvation. Don't let today go by without accepting Him and knowing where you will spend eternity in heaven forever and ever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do thank You for the day, God. We thank You, Father, for all the blessings of life. God, we celebrate with You. We celebrate with the angels of heaven to know that destiny is counted among your children. Today, God, we celebrate. We thank you, Father, for calling her your own. And God, today we open our hearts, we open our minds, and, and are receptive to your word today. God, that we might hear your word, that our hearts and lives might be changed as a result of your message for us today. Hear our prayers, God, and change our hearts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Are you a child of God today? If not, the Lord might say, turn out the lights, the party's over. Turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night, the party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, some of you sports fans might remember or recognize uh, that voice, uh, Dandy Don Merritt. He was a, a famous great quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he was also an original announcer on Monday Night Football back in the late 60s and, and early 70s. And, and so whenever he thought that the game was out of reach, uh, he would start singing that song uh, as he broadcast the game. Uh, turn out the lights, the party's over. That song is quite appropriate for the scene described in Daniel chapter 5, where we're going to be this morning. It's the story of King Belshazzar, king of Babylonia. And uh, Belshazzar was King Nebuchadnezzar's arrogant and uh, uh, prideful grandson. He lived a, a secular life filled with parties and, and pleasures and women and wine. That was, that was what he was. That was the kind of life he lived. And in doing all of that, he praised the gods of this world. He praised uh, uh, the gods of gold and silver and other materialistic things in this world. <clears throat> and so the story takes place during King Belshazzar's reign. And it takes place there at one of his grand parties as he's throwing for his family and friends, if they've joined around to, to celebrate and uh, just have a wild evening. And so Daniel chapter 5 is part of a, a trilogy of three pagan kings. The first one found in Daniel chapter 4 where King Nebuchadnezzar repents uh, of his waywardness and after God warns him. And so he sees the light, okay, and he changes his way. And then in chapter 6, we see King Darius the Mede acknowledges Daniel's God, but he doesn't change his, his life. He doesn't accept him. And so here in, in chapter 5, we see Belshazzar and, and, and his complete rebellion and rejection of God. And, and when that happens, as a result, the end result's not good. It's not good at all. And so... We find today in, in Daniel chapter 5, uh, verse pretty much the whole chapter, um, we're going to uh, skip verses 10 through 21 or 2 there, but uh, Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 to start with, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. And so they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. 
King Belshazzar, he thought he was, I mean, he was, he was the king, okay? And, and he thought his, his empire, his kingdom was, was secure. That nobody could, could overthrow him and nobody could take him. In fact, there was a, a river that ran, the Euphrates River ran under the city wall that provided them with water. The, the, the walls of the city, it says, were six chariots wide. Okay, so, so they had the lifeblood of the water. They had the fortress of protection. And so Belshazzar thought that nothing uh, could have happened, that, that he was secure, that everything was okay. okay. But all the time while, while this party was going on, little did he know that the Persian army was outside the gates getting ready to, to attack and invade the city. They were... <clears throat> You know, I said that the Euphrates River ran under the wall and through the city. Well, the Persian army, while this party was going on and, and Belshazzar didn't know about it, the Persian army was rerouting this river. They were detouring the river around the city. And so when the water dried up from going around the city, they could simply walk through underneath on dry ground. And so all this is, is playing out and Belshazzar, again, has no idea what's going on and he again he's having this huge elaborate party for all of his family and friends and and he's thinking man everything's going great but I got to step it up a notch I, I got I got to show off a little bit more I got to be a little bit more impressive to the people and so he gives the order to go and get the gold and silver goblets and and brings them in so that they could all drink from it instead of just the glasses of the the vases, they, they now had these gold and silver goblets. They were all taking turns drinking from. That in itself was a sacrilegious act toward God. It, it was an affront to God. It was, it was degrading to God. It was offensive to God. And so not only were they doing this, but they were not only drinking you know, the sacrilegious act, but... They're praising the gods of the world. They're praising the gods of, of gold and silver and, and other worldly materials. Paul's right there in, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Thinking about the party that's going on, the things that are taking place. It says, wine produces mockers. Alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drinking cannot be wise. Those led astray by drinking cannot be wise. And then in Proverbs 31 verse 4, it says it's not for kings to drink or for rulers to desire beer. So why is that? Why is that? Well, the, think about it. A king and, and, and the leaders, they need to be clear-minded and, and sharp-minded all the time. Have you ever noticed how quick-tempered people can become when they're drinking? How they sometimes throw uh, the normal out the window? How they tend to be more self-confident than they, than they actually are? And how they demand that they are right And how they gloss over their own shortcomings. 
Well, welcome to King Belshazzar and his party. That's what was going on there. We see in, in, in verses 5 through 9 in Daniel chapter 5, we see where the hand of God... This, is a, this would make for a great Halloween story. Okay? A spooky time because this scared the living daylights out of the po- folks that were there. I mean, this was... Just imagine, okay, as we read through this passage, what's going on. Okay, the people are drinking, they're partying, having a good time. And listen what happens. It says, suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face, was turned, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees began to knock together and his legs gave way. He was scared. This, this was, it was happening. It was crazy. Just to see the hand of God appear and start writing on the wall. Better call Ghostbusters, he'd say back in the, back in the 80s, wouldn't he? There's a photo here of uh, my dad and, and my nephew and <clears throat> eight or nine of his little friends. And uh, we, would, we would take the little boys to the farm and to the mountains and camp out and do weekend trips and that sort of thing. And it was, they, they called their, their club, the little group of friends there, the Right Hand Club, okay? And, and uh, they would, you know, when we'd go to the farms, they would... They would hunt for arrowheads and relics and play in the creek and camp out. And um, at night, you know, this right-hand club, Daddy came up with the, the name, I guess. And, and this was a sign, the right-hand club, you know. So uh, that was their little symbol to each other. They were members of the, of the right-hand club. Well, at nights when we were camping out, we would hide gloves around the, the area and and so when the kids would go and find these gloves in the woods, we'd start telling stories about the glove, about the hand. Beware of the hand. Beware of the hand, Biggie would say, as we would find the gloves. And... But the kids, they looked forward to that. But even today, I messaged my nephew uh, Friday or Saturday and, and uh, just mentioned the word, the hand club, the right hand club. And he, man, just like that, I got a response. His, his friends started texting him back and forth. But can you imagine the setting of that night when here in Daniel, when everything was loud, people been drinking, and all of a sudden, you see, not, not a person, but just the hand of God writing on the plaster walls. You ever heard the old saying, do you say the handwriting on the wall? We've all heard that before, haven't we? This is where that that phrase came from. But I bet you one thing, when they saw that handwriting on the wall, when when they saw that hand appear, I bet they sobered up pretty quickly, didn't they? They started throwing stuff down and and, and, and trying to get straight because they knew something wasn't right. But as they saw what was going on, as they saw this, this hand just writing on the wall, they didn't know what it meant. 
it was a it was a language, but they didn't know what it meant, and so they summoned the, the, the great leaders, the, the astrologers and the enchanters and all that to come in and try to read what, and, and interpret what that meant. But nobody could. If you will, follow along with me in uh, verse 7 through 9. It says, A king called out for enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said, These wise men of Babylon, whoever reads these writings and, tell me, and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold, a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And then all of the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. And so King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. And his nobles, his family and friends were baffled. You see, it was scary enough that that was happening. And then when nobody knew what it meant, it terrified him even more. It says there that uh, whoever could read this would be placed a, a, robe, a, a purple robe on them and a gold chain on them. Basically saying that, that they would be placed third in command because Belshazzar. And his brother co-ruled this, this uh, kingdom. And so they were basically saying, this is of great importance to me that we know what that says. So much so that I'll put you next in line to the kingdom if you tell me what it means. As you might imagine, this all caused a stir in the banquet and in the banquet hall. And, and so we see in, in Daniel chapter 5 verses 10 through 22, where the mom shows up, the queen shows up, and you know, she heard the commotion going on and she wanted to come in and, and see what was going on, check on her son. And you know, preachers aren't normally invited to parties such as this, as you might imagine, but, uh, but, but here the, the queen says, go get Daniel. Go get Daniel. It says, because he had wisdom. Because it says he was a holy man. And he had interpreted dreams and, and solved other riddles in the past. And this was the person, this was the man that we needed to call to figure out what the writing on the wall said. And then we pick up in verse 22, 23. If you write in your Bibles, underline verse 23 because that's the theme of the whole book of Daniel. It says in verse 23, yeah, 22 it says, but his son, but you his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you had set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Okay, so he had set himself up against the Lord of heaven. Said you had, you had goblets from, the, from his temple brought to you and you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in His hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, He sent the hand that wrote the inscription Verse 23, this is the inscription that was written. 
Mene, mene, to call, parson. This is what these words mean. Mene, God had numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. To Kel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. So how could these words, what would these words mean for King Belshazzar? What do they mean for us today? Again, the word mene means that God has counted our days. God has numbered our days. You know, we count our age. If I say, how old are you? I say, I'm 56. Well, God doesn't do that. He numbers our days. God would say, today, Pastor Russ is, according to my best math, 20,525 days old. Not years old, mind you. Days old. And so if God had planned for me to live, say, 84 years, man, that'd be nice in itself. He would be counting backwards. I would have 10,135 days left on this earth. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Maybe I only have 35 days left. Maybe I only have 20 days left. And then three, and two, and one. One day left before I meet the King Jesus face to face. You see, folks, our countdown is on for each one of us. And nobody knows how many, exactly how many days we have left. Only God. Only God knows that. And so, yes, I've lived 20,525 days, but it may be 20,526 days. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, folks, nobody but God knows exactly how many days we have left. And so the question for us today is, if we knew our days were going to run out this week, what would we do? If we knew we had seven days left, or five days left, or three days left, What would be on the top of our priority? What would it be most important for us to do? How would we live those next few days? And so God is telling us that we don't know how many days we have left. It may indeed be one, three, five, seven, ten thousand or twenty thousand more days. We don't know. But to live each day as if today is our last day. Have an attitude of Christ every day, all day. Extend love and grace and forgiveness to those around you. Be on mission for the the Lord. Know Him intimately and make Him known to those around us. That's what He's calling us to do because we don't know how many days we have left. The word tekel means... That each of us have been weighed on scales of divine justice and are found wanting. 
You see, it was customary in ancient warfare for the defeating army to go in and, and, and take possession of all the, the, the valuable possessions of the conquered kingdom. And so they would take all these possessions and they would weigh them out. They would put them on a scale and weigh them out and divvy them out to the army. You know something, we today take our, our sinfulness too lightly. But in the eyes of God, our sin is, is high treason, regardless of what it is or, or, or what we've done. And so we have to, that, that, that sin is balanced against the holiness of God, not against each other. And folks, we will always fall short where we're balancing against the holiness of God. We might do okay when we're, when we're comparing to each other, but when, we, but when we compare ourselves to God, man, it gets way out of kilter. And there's no way, there's nothing we can do to, to bring that back into a balance outside of accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. Only then is that divine scale balanced. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, good or bad, we've all fallen short of what God wants us to do, of how God wants us to live. And again, there's nothing we can do to balance those scales of our sin against the holiness of God. Only, only the life and blood of Jesus Christ, only His life can balance that scale of, of divine justice and, and we have to confess our sin. We have to be repentant, change our way. As we said earlier, we have to change the way of doing things, put our old ways in the past and take on a new life and a new way, become a new creation in Christ, living for Christ. When we do that, we, are, we experience the baptism waters to tell the world that we are one of God's children. And so the third word, parson or Perez, it means divided, being divided up. See, everything that Belshazzar had, everything Belshazzar had was, was divided up and given to the, to the Medes and the Persians once they conquered them. Folks, everything we have of material value, everything will be divided up and given to somebody else. That car you drove to church, those clubs you played with yesterday, that boat you were on the lake with this summer, those skis you went skiing with, the rifle you went hunting with, the dinner plates you ate with last night, all of that will be left behind. I was thinking about Bob and Sandy. You know, they have auctions all the time. Sometimes they'll auction off the entire house and they go through and the, the house and everything in it. And they go through and they, they box up the possessions of everybody that, that live, or the, the people that lived in that house. And they set that box of possessions on the table. Who will give me $5? Who will give me 10 Who will give me 20 Oh, you won't give me but one? Okay, sold for $1. 
Or maybe it's not even, maybe it's not even worth putting in a box to be auctioned off. And they call somebody in and say, here's $100, take the rest of it. Or they load a trailer up and take it to the trash. And these were the, the possessions of, the lifelong possessions that these people defined their life around. Sold at auction, given away. And the things that, that your family has left behind, they, they rummage through, they sell, they auction off, they, they throw away, and yes, they even argue over it. Only to be reminded that when they die, it too will be left behind. And while we're on that subject, let me encourage you today, if you don't have a will, if you don't have a detailed will, I don't care how old you are. If you're 18 or older, you need a will. And it needs to be specific. And if you don't have one, if you'll call me this week, we'll, we'll, I'll help you get that set up. I'll point you in the right direction. Because if we have that, it will save your family a ton of heartache and a, and a ton of grief, I promise you. See, only that which we invest in the kingdom of God will last forever. For forever. Everything else, everything else will be left behind. Everything. Hearses don't pull U-Hauls and death clothes don't have pockets. So build up your treasures in heaven and the kingdom work, not the things of this world. You know, we might be enjoying the, the pleasures of, of the world right now, the pleasures of life right now, but, but one day, just, as, just like King Belshazzar, we're all going to see the handwriting on the wall. We're all going to see the handwriting on the wall. God has numbered all of our days and no one knows when that day will be for them. You know, most of what we hear in, in the pulpits today and the Bible teachers today is that God is a God of love, that God is a God of forgiveness. And He is, I promise you that. And He loves you more than anything. And He wants to forgive you. He wants to extend that grace to you if you'll accept Him. But God is also a God of judgment. God is going to hold everybody accountable for, their, for, for everything they've done in life. They're going to be held accountable for every act that we've done, every word we've spoken, every thought we've had. Think about that for just a moment. Everything will be made accountable. Folks, God's judgment is real. Just as much as His love and forgiveness is real, His judgment is real too. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, on that judgment day when you face Almighty God, you will spend eternity separated from Him. When He says, away from me for I never knew you. Do you know Him today? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Do you, are, do you allow Him the Lordship in your life? 
You see, when the hand of God appeared on the wall, King Belshazzar was was shocked. And he never thought something like that could ever happen to him. And, And don't we oftentimes live like that? Today's another day. I'm going through the day. I've got a plan. This is what's going to take place. And for the most part, maybe it does. But on one day, that one day is going to be your last day. Will you be ready? You see, for King Belshazzar, the lights were turned out and his party was over. He rejected God and died a sinner's death that night. It says in Daniel 5.30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. His death that night was not the real tragedy. It was his failure at life that was the real tragedy. You see, he lived his entire life and never acknowledged God as his Lord. Where are you in your life? Have you acknowledged him as as your Lord and Savior? Are you living for him every day? You see, Belshazzar was weighed and found and found lacking and, and wanting. Folks, outside of Christ, we will all be found lacking when we stand in the presence of God. There's only one escape, and that is the cross of Christ. Let me encourage you today, don't let the lights go out on your party without Christ. You're going to spend eternity somewhere And if your lights are turned out without Christ, you'll spend eternity in the darkness of hell, separated from God for all of eternity. If you've never repented of your sins or or surrendered to God, it's time today. Today is the day of your salvation. We don't know when our number is going to be called. We don't know how many days we have left. Could be today. But we don't know. I'm pleading with you today, if you've never accepted Jesus to do that. Or maybe perhaps you've, you've ventured off the road that God wants you on. Maybe you've been living a life outside of, of what God wants you to do. Folks, I'm telling you today, He's calling you back. He wants you back on the road that, that He's planned for you. Or, or, or maybe today you're partying with the world and not with God. Folks, He's calling you back because He wants wants to celebrate with you at the the great banquet table forever and ever. Amen? When Jesus returns, He wants wants you to be a part of that banquet in heaven with Him. Maybe for others here today, it's it's time for for us to to seek God's forgiveness just for for, for the sinfulness in our life every day and ask God for that personal revival to take place in us. To take place in our home and in our family. And when that does, it'll take place in the church. When it does in the church, it'll take place in the country and around the world. Folks, the, the, the good news of Jesus is being spread all across the world even as we speak this morning. 
People are coming to faith today, yesterday, last night, today, tomorrow. The church is growing. Even under great oppression, the kingdom of God is still growing. He's calling us to know Him and to make Him known. To know Him and make Him known to the world around us. And and He wants that. I I told Destiny before we went down, she was talking about she She loved to to draw and paint and she loved to, to draw pictures of campfires. And I said, praise God because the Lord has set a fire off in your heart. The Holy Spirit has set her on fire for the Lord. Can we say that? Has, has that revival taken place in our hearts? Are we praying for it? Are we sharing that with other people? Do people see that, that fire that's going on in our hearts? Wherever you are in those scenarios that we talked about, whether you need that, that forgiveness and you need that personal revival or maybe, maybe today you're traveling on the wrong path, you've gotten off of God's road and, and headed off your own little dirt road. Or maybe you're fearful that God's going to turn out the lights when your party's over and you'll spend eternity separated from God forever. Whatever... I think anybody here today or watching on the internet uh, will find themselves in one of those three categories. How has God spoken to you today? You see, God wants to hear back. God wants to hear your heart cry out to Him today for whatever that is that you're dealing with in your life. So I, I pray that as we as we sing our hymn of invitation, wherever He leads, I'll go. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take that challenge today that say, God, wherever You lead me, whatever You want me to do, God, I will go with You. I am Yours. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Father in heaven, God, we thank You for Your Word, for Your Holy Word. God, we thank You for all the stories that, that tell us about who you are, about what you want us to do in this world, in our life, with our life. And God, you would desire for no one to spend eternity separated from you. But you want everyone saved. You want everybody around that banquet table. So Father, today, I pray that if we need that personal revival, if we need to be brought back on the path that you want us on, or if we're just wandering aimlessly in the dark, that we would call upon you today. God, that you would change our heart, soul, mind, and life. That we would be yours and kept by you forever and ever. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.